Hey, happy Father's Day to all the dads. Today's message is not about uh, being a dad. Um, Today is a message for sons and daughters. Do we have any sons and daughters in the house? I just want to make sure that, okay, good. I was a little nervous. I want to make sure that the material is right for the crowd today. So let's pray. Father, we love you so much. You are awesome and you are a good God. You are a perfect dad to us. And we just pray today that on this special day that you would speak to our hearts, that our hearts would be open to hear what you have to say. Um, God, I just thank you for um, your ability to transform and change and shape us. In Jesus' awesome name. Somebody say amen. Amen. Somebody say amen real loud. All right, that's what I'm talking about. For you to receive the security and significance required for life, meaning your calling, the mission that God has for you, the role that he's going to give you in this life, it takes the affirmation of a father. I want to say that again. For you to receive the security and significance it takes in life to fulfill the mission that God's given you, it takes and requires the affirmation of a father. We cannot fulfill our mission in life and do what God designed us to do without that affirmation. So today we're going to talk about the affirmation of a father. What is affirmation? I know that many of you know what this word is, but let's remind ourselves what it is. It's a, it's a pronouncement. It is a, it's a declaration or a confirmation, or it's like a, a stamp of validation upon you, um, when, when you're validated, it does something really special in the soul. Every human being is created with this thing in their soul, that, and it says this. It says, I want to be validated. I want someone to unconditionally love me. I have a need to be someone's beloved son or beloved daughter. And God designed us with this emotional need inside to receive this type of affirmation from someone called a father. We have a need for someone to claim us as their own. Think of affirmation like this. Affirmation to a young person is like a springboard for life. It it gives them a platform to jump off into life and fulfill their calling. Um, It also does this. Later on in life, it, it also acts as a safety net. For when life gets hard, a place for you to land upon, a soft place for you to lean on when life gets hard or when you fall or when you fail. Without this springboard of life and without this net for later on in life, uh, because of the lack of affirmation, we can be left emotionally crippled and we can remain emotionally immature even as adults. This is one of the reasons why you can see grown people as grown adults. And I don't say this as a body slam. This actually, this type of thing is what God is in the business of, by the way. But you can see grown people walking around as a man or a woman underdeveloped emotionally and emotionally unhealthy. That's the reason why Jesus came. He came to help every part of us, all of us, I can think back to many times in my life, even recently as a grown man, as a husband, as a seasoned believer, where I have responded immaturely in an emotional way towards people or situations. 
And uh, so, by the way, you're not alone. Not anybody ever responded immaturely in an emotional way towards somebody? Uh, somebody in the back was like, I have, hello, somebody. So uh, I'm with you, me too. I've done it too. Hey, even Jesus, actually, he needed affirmation from the Father. And we see this in Matthew 3 and 17. It says this about Jesus. It says, his heavenly Father, a voice came from heaven from him, and it said, this is my son. Whom I love, I am well pleased. What a declaration from a father to a son. What a validation for Jesus as he gets ready to enter into his ministry. What a validation for a son. What a declaration over him. Have you ever heard a declaration like that over you? I love you. I'm well pleased with you. And here's the really cool thing. The cool thing is that this, that Jesus had not started his ministry yet. There were no miracles. There were no great sermons and, and, and there, were, there were no great healings and, and no great, great moments of salvation through him yet. He had not gone to the cross yet. He had not accomplished the big part of his purpose yet. And the father looked at him and said, in him, my son Jesus, I am well pleased Man, what a major dad move by God, don't you think? That's a pretty good dad move. What a father move. What a, what, what a power move. Way to use your influence, God. Way to use your authority speaking over your son and giving us as men an example of what we need to do to the people in our life. Man, God was looking at his son and he was telling the world, hey, this is my official declaration of my child right here. I love him. He is mine. He is my beloved. I am proud of him, not because of what he does, not because of what he is going to do, but because of who he is as a person. I love him. What a great move. By the way, dads, um, it's time for us to take our place of influence in the life of people who God has surrounded us with the sons and daughters that are around us on a daily basis. It's time for us to use our influence and affirm the people around us and affirm them in a lot of different ways. Affirm them emotionally by speaking to them, giving them your words, not being silent, telling them you're proud of them, telling them that you love them, telling them that you forgive them, and not just one time, but all the time. Affirm them physically by giving them physical affection. Dads wrestle with your sons. They, they like it. Well, some of them do. Uh, give them hugs. Hugging's a thing. You know what I mean? I, Chris and I wa- watched a, a video, and, and there was a young man who grew up, and his family was not affectionate towards him. And, and later on in life, he like woke up one day and went, hey, hugging's kind of a thing. I think I should learn how to do it. It's never too late to learn how to hug. It's never too late to kiss your kids. I mean, it is a little, I, okay, hold on a second. That one's a little awkward. If you don't do it early on and then your parents start doing it later on in life, like that's just, it, it is a little strange. But it's never too late to show physical affection to your kids. And, and then nextly, affirm them spiritually. Man, tell them they are God's child. Tell them that you are blessed, that, that God let you be their earthly father, but their real father is in heaven and his name is God. And you've got a huge family. We tell that to our daughter all the time. It's never too late to give affirmation to your kids, dad. It's never too late. You know, they will never get tired of hearing it. Uh, my own dad 
didn't affirm me a ton when I was a kid, but you know what? He grew in it, and he affirms me now as an adult, as a young man, and I never get tired of hearing it. He can never say it enough. It never gets old, and if you're a son or daughter in the house, I want to say this to you. It's never too late to open your wounded heart and let a father figure speak words of healing into you and bring affirmation to you emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I know that it's scary to open your heart in that way towards somebody, but I want you to know that it is never too late. And if you've been on the search for significance your whole life, I just want you to just relax for a moment. Just take a deep breath. Breathe in, breathe out. And let the fact that you have breath in your lungs be just a sign from God saying, hey, I'm not done with you. I'm still into restoring. I'm still into bringing affirmation to you. You don't have to walk the rest of your life without it. I am into restoring your wounded heart. And so that's what the Father is all about. And man, if, if no dad has ever said it to you, if the Lord could use me in a way to speak words over you, he would look at you today and he would say, that's my girl, that's my boy, and I love you just the way you are. You don't have to lift a finger to run and be in your purpose for me to be proud of you. You don't have to exercise all of the great spiritual disciplines that you think make me happy, the Father says to you. He says, before you even lift a hand in worship and express your love towards me, the Father says to you, stop. Just the way you are right now, sitting there, doing nothing in my presence. I love you. I love you. You are my beloved. I don't know about you, but that's the father that I serve. I don't need to perform for him to get his love. I actually serve him out of love. I I give to him out of my relationship with him, not for my relationship with him, but because of my relationship with him. And that's the God that you serve. Aren't you glad you have a God that loves you in that way? Man, he is a perfect father. And by the way, He's the only perfect father, just if you did not know that. I want you to know that, man, I know some pretty awesome dads, and you probably know some too, but I want you to know that there is no perfect dad running around there. And that's a message that I'm into telling my daughter, Ellie, I'm not perfect. I will fail you, but there is a perfect father, and he is in heaven. I want you to know that if you have been let down by a father figure, Stop searching for the perfect one to heal your heart, okay? Stop searching for the perfect man or the perfect father to heal you because you won't find healing in a man. God the Father says, you'll find healing in me. And and I might use a man to come alongside your life and bring healing to you through him, but it's my healing. So that's what he says to you today. Just Let people pour into your life. Well, today I want to take a look at a man in the Bible 
who lacked affirmation from his father. And um, his name was actually Jacob. And uh, we're going to read a part of his story this morning. It's a really long story, and it's actually an amazing story. It's, it's mind-blowing. I mean, you could probably spend several months on the life of Jacob. But um, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 25, uh, verse 21. We're going to start a, a couple uh, halfway through verse 21. And here's what it says. It says, Rebecca, by the way, Rebecca is Jacob's wife. Rebecca became pregnant with twins. Congratulations, Jacob. Happy Father's Day. Twins are on the way. Um, and then the Bible says this. But the two children struggled, or another translation said, jostled with each other in the womb. I would have loved to see that on a sonogram. I mean, come on, somebody. Like a live sonogram. Like, <clears throat> like I mean, how great would that be? Uh, it's great. Okay, give me some. That's all right. That's a, this is a mama with twins. This is great. So she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me? What's up with all this jostling inside my belly? And the Lord told her, the, son in your, the sons in your womb will become two different nations. From the very beginning, the two sons will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve the younger all right, twins, you know, don't get too happy about all that, all right, you know, whoever the younger is, you know, I don't know how that's working in your family. Verse 24 says this, and the time came to give birth, and Rebecca discovered that she did indeed have twins. So I don't know, Rebecca was like, okay, God, you told me I have twins, but now they're here, I believe you. Wow, this is unbelievable. I'm not crazy. I heard you right. The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. I don't know. I just, I thought to myself, like, that's got to be so strange. Like, how weird is that, you know? And then, and then, the, then the pleaser and the non-offender side of me was like, but what if somebody in here had a child with thick fur coat? I don't want to be offensive towards them. So I actually Googled this. I went, child with thick fur coat at birth, and nothing popped up. And, and I was like, baby, really hairy baby at birth. And actually... This little baby was like the cutest baby, and it was like the, the hairiest thing. It was so strange. I, I couldn't believe how cute it was, although it had hair all over its cheek and its arms and its chest. It was like a little wolf baby. And I was like, wow, this is actually kind of cute. I don't know if Esau was that cute, but this picture was kind of cute. The other twin was born with his hand grasping on Esau's heel, so they named him Jacob. Isaac which was Jacob's dad, was 60 years old when the twins were born. <laughs> Congratulations, you're 60, you have twins. Ding, 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 yay. Um, you know, we don't have time to read the rest of Jacob's story and, and take a look at his life, but this baby named Jacob that we just read the account of his birth, he struggled in the womb and he, he struggled coming out of the womb. He was still fighting his brother coming out of the womb. And he continued to struggle throughout the majority of his life. Um, at birth, we see that he was even at odds with his brother. Um, the Bible says that he was holding and grasping on to the, the heel of his brother. And his name, Jacob, actually means grabber. Grabber. We remember that for a little bit later because we're going to talk about that catcher or a grabber. Um, you know, Jacob's parents, as we read this story, if we go a couple of verses down in verse 28, we see Jacob's father, Isaac, is very emotionally distant from him. The scripture says that Isaac loved Esau, but Rebekah, his mom, loved Jacob. And so his, his father had 
had a love for his twin brother and not for him. Um, his father was emotionally distant. His mother, if you continue to read the story, was very overbearing, uh, very overprotective and manipulative. And she even helped him plan a major betrayal against her own son Esau and her husband. Later on in life, Jacob has two wives, Rachel and Leah, not to mention each one of them had a hand servant, and Jacob got a little freaky deaky um, with, uh, with the hand servants, and his life was complicated. I mean, can you imagine? He struggled to please both of his wives. Anybody ever had that struggle before? Don't raise your hand. I was trying to trick y'all. Don't raise your, don't raise your hand. Um, just come, come talk to me after service, and, and um, I, I won't know what to do with you. I'm not a good enough marriage counselor for that, but I can send you to somebody. Um, he had a very manipulative father-in-law. Man, I could really identify with that. Like, wow, Jacob, man, I'm, I'm so glad you're not the only one. I'm kidding if you're listening. My father-in-law is a pastor of this church if you're new here. Um, He had 12 kids, and and his 12 kids, they struggled with each other. I mean, can you imagine this gigantic blended family? It's not like the blended families of the today. Like, there wasn't an ex-wife in this picture. It was like wife A, wife B, girlfriend A, girlfriend B, her kids, his kids, my wife's kids, and my other wife's kids, and geez louise, I mean, how crazy is all that? Like, that's absolutely insane. And the craziest thing about all this, out of this crazy, blended, whacked out, manipulative, insane family came the 12 tribes of Israel. And they brought us Jesus. I mean, hello. Anybody feel good about your family right now? Like, maybe you just came just for that. So you're like, okay, my family's not that. My family's crazy, but it's not that crazy. Anybody feel that? My family's crazy, but not that crazy. Kids raising your hand. Raise your hands, kids. Raise your hands. Parents look around. Parents look around. This is how your kids feel about you. Um, I want to point out three things in this story as we look at um, Jacob's life without affirmation. Jacob's life without affirmation. Let's take a look at his life. Um, How did the lack of affirmation affect Jacob? Um, And and we see that he didn't have it because his his father loved uh, Esau and and his, his mom loved him. And as we look through the story of Jacob, we see that Jacob lived his life looking for the affirmation of his father. He knew his dad had, had it in him to give it because he saw his father give it to Esau. But he just couldn't figure out why he didn't have the love of his father the same way his brother did. The first thing we notice about Jacob's life without affirmation is that it magnified his flaws. Without affirmation from the father, his, his flaws were absolutely magnified. And let's be real in this church. Hey, we all got flaws to deal with. Come on, somebody. Give me a little amen. We all got flaws. I got mine. Amen. I got my flaws. My wife knows about every single one. Some of you, if you're around me a lot, you know about them. Like, there's nothing perfect about me. God, thank God for that. Like, I need Jesus just like everybody else does. I need the affirmation of the Father just like everyone else does. But Jacob, without this affirmation, his flaws were magnified. And without affirmation, these magnified flaws can gain more control and more power over you than they're really supposed to have. Um, you know, I, my daughter, Ellie, um, this last week, we took her on a roller coaster. Um, our daughter is very cautious, if you've ever been around her. Like, Elle, like most kids at, at three years old are like, like doing a, a running jump off of the stage. And my daughter, at three years old, is like this. 
she's like crawling up and, and like she, w- she won't even look over the edge. Like she's like super cautious. And the cool thing is that this is actually a gift. This is one of her personality dispositions. This is a gift. This disposition is going to be a great gift to the adventurous people that God puts in her life. She will be the voice of reason to them. Uh, she will help them calculate danger. She will help them um, make smart decisions in life when they're trying to make risky decisions. Like what a great gift. But without affirmation of her daddy, um, this gift can overrun her and turn into like an amazing amount of fear. And she will never take risks and she will never try new things. And and this weekend we went and visited uh, an old friend of ours. We hadn't seen him in a while. His name's Mickey. And um, his backyard, by the way, is absolutely amazing. He has roller coasters and flowers and funnel cakes. And I mean, there's like amazing stuff, Mickey Mouse, amazing stuff in his backyard. And, um, and he has a roller coaster uh, called the Big Thunder Mountain. And uh, there's a, there should be a funny picture. So I had to like affirm my daughter, like, come on, Ellie, like, let's go, baby girl. This is Ellie pre-roller coaster. This is like without the affirmation of her daddy. This is the cautious Ellie, like... And we like yelled at her, like she was bawling, like head in Chris's. And we're like, Ellie, stop it. Knock it off. Like, Ellie, stop. Like, and she's like, <laughs> she like looks at us like this, we're like chink. And um, we took a picture and man, I had to like affirm her and my words weren't enough. So I was like, forget it. I just brought her along with us. You know, I don't know if it was like forced affirmation. I'm not sure what you call it, but I forced her on and like, Towards halfway through, she started smiling and towards the end, she was like so proud of herself. And she was like, yes, I, she didn't want to do it again, but she was like, yes, I did it once. Yay. And um, man, she was so proud that she conquered a fear. And uh, I'll tell you what, my daughter is going to learn how to overcome fears in life. And she's going to learn that there's joy when you overcome fears. And, and as I quote my wife today, victory is on the other side of courage. Jacob's flaw in life was this. It was pride. He had a flaw of pride. And his pride caused him to be a striver from birth. Remember, his name was Grabber. So his pride caused him to grab everything that he could find. And because of the lack of affirmation, he spent his life searching, striving, and grabbing in hopes that one day he could be enough. He grabbed it at women. He grabbed at wives. He, he grabbed it at a career excel. I mean, he just grabbed and grabbed and grabbed, trying to find the affirmation that he did not get. His flaw of pride continued to tell him how to live his life all the way from the womb, trying to beat his brother out of the womb. I mean, come on, a little baby uh, being born, grabbing his little brother's heel, trying to be number one when he was number two. There, there, I mean, it's unbelievable the grabbing and striving that this young man um, dealt with in his life. The Bible actually says from him being in the womb that, that he was going to be the leader between him and his brother. And Jacob had this sense of destiny inside of him. So the pride that was in him was actually a good disposition. Like he knew that he was going to be a leader, but because without affirmation though, that leadership thing that was in him that could have been developed by his father turned into pride. You know, my dad was 
emotionally distant growing up. And, and we talked about it later on in life. And, and uh, man, we hugged and we cried together. And, and my dad never even had, his dad died when he was five years old. He didn't know how to love and hug on his sons. And he was never given a good godly example on how to love his kids. And I'll tell you what, though, I'm so glad that he didn't quit and give up and feel sorry for himself and, and, and stop growing as a person because today, man, I've got the affirmation. I got the love of my dad. He is proud of me that I always wanted as a kid. And, and I never get tired of hearing it from him. It's amazing. And I'm so grateful that I have his words. And Jacob, though, he didn't get those words for a very, very, very long time. In fact, um, you know, his flaw of pride, I, I, ha, I have the same kind of flaw because of the lack of affirmation as a kid. My flaw is pride, but it's not his, his, his prideful flaw. Mine comes out in the form of insecurity. That's how my pride comes out. It comes out in the form of insecurity. And, and um, man, I, I like to call this passive-aggressive pride. Anybody ever run into passive-aggressive pride? Like not brave enough to say it up in the front, but say it on the back end. And, and not brave enough to say it out of your mouth, but you're just living your life with all of these things swarming around in your brain. And you don't know how to confront things in a healthy way and, and say no in a healthy way and say yes in a healthy way. That, that's how my flaw affects me. And you know what, though? I'm so great that I'd never let my flaw rule me. I'm so great for the transforming work of Jesus. Aren't you? Aren't you so great that your flaw doesn't get to dictate and navigate your life? My flaw doesn't. You know what I say to my flaw all the time? Shut up. You don't get a voice in my world. You don't get to speak into my relationships. You don't get to speak into my destiny. God the Father gets to speak into my destiny. I don't have to listen to you. And your flaws, man, they follow you. They, they try to haunt you. What's your flaws sound like? What does your flaw look like? I mean, hey, we're all Jacobs. We're, we're all in one way or another flawed individuals. If you can't think of any flaws, or maybe you've never taken time to sit around and maybe think about what yours are, when you're ready, by the way, this is not for everybody. Like, you have to be ready for this. If you're not ready, don't do it. But when you're ready, find some trusted people, trusted, find trusted people in your life that are mentors, that are ahead of where you're at, that are, that are not in the mess that you're in, that are further along in the journey, and ask them some serious questions about you, questions that will help you gain perspective on how people experience you. Because how many know perception is reality? Like you hear something online, you see it online, you're like... Man, what a, I can't believe them, you know, and you, the perception is created. Now, whether that's how they mentored or not, doesn't matter. You have a perception about them. So no matter how people experience you or not, because you might be going, well, if you just knew my heart, but what really matters is how people experience you. So ask some questions of the people that love you and say, hey, how do you experience me as a mom? How do you experience me as a dad? How do you experience me as a husband? How do you experience me as a friend? How do you experience me as a boss? And let people speak into your life. And by the way, that's a very scary thing to do, to give permission to people to speak into your life that way. Beware, it might hurt a little bit. Uh, You might be blindsided with some things. This is not a one and done conversation that you have with people. This is something that you have to do frequently like any area of growth in your life. If you wanna lose weight, do you just like diet one meal or do do you do a lifestyle diet? So being emotionally healthy is not like a one and done, I'm going to ask you one time and never ask anybody again. 
It's a one and done. It's really painful in the beginning, but you get used to it and you learn how to see your blind sides and you learn to be okay with them because you know that, that God is in the business of healing and restoring that stuff. So it's okay. And, and when you learn that, that uh, when you're weak, he's strong, you, you learn that, hey, having some weaknesses and having flaws, it's not a big deal because God's in the business of shining and being strong in those places in me. Um, by the way, when people do begin to give some feedback into your life, um, Here's some things that will help you out. Just listen. Um, especially if you're a type A person and, uh, and you can intimidate real easy, um, listen to them because they're probably really scared to tell you the truth. They're probably really nervous. Um, if it's people that respect you, um, they're really scared to tell you the truth if you're a respected authority figure in their life. So you gotta like, when you think you're toning it down, tone it down even more. And don't justify your behaviors. Don't justify your actions. Just keep listening. And if you have to say something, like some of us, like we just can't take it. I'm one of those, like I just have to say something. Just say, wow. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow goes a long way. And then, thank you. Like that's a great follow-up to wow. Like, wow, thank you. Like, even though inside you're like, what is going on? <laughs> just, just say wow and thank you. Um, just so you know, like, not giving a rebuttal in these situations is a really good thing because you're going to teach somebody, like, hey, I trust and I value what you think about me and what you have to say. But if you, if you rebuttal and you qualify and you justify, like, they won't be honest with you anymore. And you need people to be honest with you. Um, by the way, Proverbs 19.11 says, a person's wisdom yields patience. Um, it's to one's glory to overlook an offense. And in, in all that and in, in hearing feedback, it's offensive to us. It's like, man, oh, I don't like hearing that. But the Bible actually says that you get to share in the glory of God when you just like sit and don't take offense and just rest and listen. Um, let's take a look at um, number two, uh, Joseph, Joseph, Jacob, as he lacked affirmations, it magnified the second thing. It magnifies his attitude. It magnified his attitude. Lack of, lack of affirmation leaves a huge flaw in us, and it magnetizes our, magnifies our attitudes. And I'm going to give you one attitude, the attitude of self-sufficiency. That's what Jacob had to battle. His attitude said, hey, be self-sufficient. You can do it. Just take it. Um, don't wait on anybody else. No one's going to give it to you, so you got to go and get it. And early on in life, that's a survival mechanism, and you may have to do that, and that's okay. You're just going to have to fight to survive. But eventually, when you lean and rest on the Lord, you don't have to be self-sufficient anymore. You don't have to go out and take what is yours. And and you know what else? This this self-sufficient attitude says things like, I don't need a mom. I don't need a dad. I don't need them in my life. I don't need a man. I don't need a woman. I don't need anybody anymore. And friend, just because you can do it without people doesn't mean that you should. You know, God puts people in your life as a gift, as a, as a conduit of his healing. And, um, and, and if that attitude or that mantra is just being spoken in your world and in your mind, you might be pushing away the gifts that God has surrounded you with that should be bringing you healing. Um, the second attitude uh, that Jacob had was, was this. It was an attitude of hurry. Because <laughs> he was like, hey, no one's going to give it to me, so I better go get mine. Because he, he was striving so much to find acceptance and find approval. And, and you, we saw him hurry from one thing to the next. And, and, and it was so amazing. Like, 
He was destined to lead his older brother, and he couldn't even rest and wait in God's timing. Him and his mom put a plan together, and they tricked and manipulated his brother to steal his brother's birthright as the firstborn son. And towards the end of his life, at his father's dying bed, when he was getting ready to pass out the blessings to his son, Jacob still was striving, hurrying, and grabbing for the affirmation of his father. And he tricked his dad and stole the blessing on his father's dying bed. Later on in Jacob's life, this leads us to the next thing. This lack of affirmation magnified Jacob's need, and the worship band can come on up. It magnified his need. What do I mean by that? Jacob's flaws and attitudes were actually a gift to him. It, it showed them that there's no person on this planet, and even if you have a good dad that's giving you affirmations, there is one affirmation that came to Jacob that brought healing to him. Later on in Jacob's life, we find Jacob in in Genesis 32. He was on the run again from his father-in-law, and uh, he's trying to manipulate situations like he always does, and he runs into, the Bible says, an angel of God. And for the first time in Jacob's life, Jacob grabs on. Remember, his name is Grabber. He grabs on to the one thing that could actually give him the affirmation that he spent his whole life striving to get from his father. And he grabs onto the angel and he tells the angel, he doesn't know this God, the Bible says the angel of God, he grabs on and says, I'm not letting go until you bless me. Jacob was just longing to hear, you are blessed by me. You are loved by me. My, you have not done enough bad to destroy my destiny for you. I mean, when you think about Jacob's life and you think about all the things that Jacob did that should have destroyed God's plan for his life, that should have disqualified him to be the, the father of the 12 tribes of Israel, God looked at him toward the latter part of his life and said, hey, you haven't messed up enough. And it's never too late to receive the affirmations of father. Here you go. Our takeaway today is this. Our flaws are a gift. And they show us our need for a father. It's never too late to receive the affirmation of a father. 